Good morning and happy Easter. We are so glad that you are here with us, joining us from all over and watching us online here via Lake Point Church at Shelby Township, Michigan. And uh, as some of you, this might be your first time watching us. Thank you for joining us. And I hope you guys enjoyed that beautiful song, that awesome song, and a choir, a virtual choir. Ain't no grave. Man, that's an awesome song. Awesome that we're able to celebrate that there is Jesus and there was not a grave that could hold him back. And, uh, and today, we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to go back and want to start off real quick. When I was a kid, I was afraid, scared of the dark. And if my mom and dad, they said, hey, Scott, we want you to go down to the basement and we want you to get something. I would run down to the basement, even though the light might be on and there wasn't that great of a light because there was darkness in all the corners. I mean, I would run down as fast as I can, get what I got to get, and I would run back upstairs, and, and I'd be out of breath by the time I run upstairs because I was afraid of the dark. You know, when I got older, you know, and I kind of overcome my fears of the dark, you know, but I see my kids. You know, my kids can be a little scared of the dark, and I like to kind of play off their fears a little bit. You know, I might sneak up on them. You know, where they may not notice that I'm coming, I, I'm sneaking up on them and I'm going to scare them. And I, and I get right there and I, and I go, Bruh! and Nathan and Abigail, my two kids, they'll turn around and say, Dad, you didn't scare us. We could hear you a mile away. I, I, I got that part of my curse for being a deaf guy. I can't even hear my own noise as I, make, as I approach people. And so, but man, darkness. I can be scared of the dark when I was a kid. You know, when you go into a dark room, the only reason it's dark is because there's no light in the room. But darkness in and of itself, darkness as a whole, is not an entity. It's not tangible. Darkness is just the result of no light. And so it's really nothing. Now, spiritual darkness, that's a whole different story. Spiritual darkness is the presence of evil. It's the presence of evil. It has a leader, Satan. It has followers, demons, and people that hate God. It has a strategy. It has a plan. And so unlike physical darkness, spiritual darkness can do things to you. It's not something to be feared but respected. And no doubt that many of us today are experiencing darkness in our lives right now. This past week, our government mentioned that this would be the toughest, darkest week in our country. But I'm also reminded that this past week was also the darkest week and a man named Jesus. Jesus' life was 33 years long, and his ministry was three years. But the last week of his life was absolutely the most important week. And all of his life, Satan was going after him, coming after him with a strategy to destroy his plan. We started the Last Supper. Christ was brought to the edge of darkness. 
His disciples were brought to the edge of darkness. Jesus, you know, he washes their feet. And then he says, one of you is going to betray me. And then they say, well, which one? And he says, the one that grabbed the bread with me. Now, if that was me, I'm going to put my hand in my pockets. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to touch the bread. But Judas, he grabbed the bread. Jesus said, you're the guy. And the Bible said that Satan entered into Judas. And Jesus said to him, go do what you, uh, you got to do. And, and here he is, Jesus, the last night of his life. He's with his disciples that he spent three years discipling. And one of them is going to betray him with a kiss. Another one going to deny him three times. Jesus got the pressure of the crucifixion on his mind. He leaves the Last Supper. He goes up to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prays. The Bible says in Mark 14 that he was distressed to the point of death. Luke chapter 22 says that he sweat blood from his forehead. Three times Jesus asked God the Father, can we do this another way? And the Father said, no, you've got to do it. He was sweating blood. He was distressed to the point of death. His own disciples come up and betray him with a kiss. I mean, what kind of darkness is that? They arrest him. They beat him. They press a crown of thorns into his head with thorns that were two inches long. They pulled out his spear. They, they punched him in the face. They whipped him 39 times with a, with a, with a torture device called the cats of nine tails. And at the end of each whip were nine leather straps. And at the end of those straps was a piece of bone or a piece of metal. And they whipped Jesus 39 times with that cats of nine tails. They whipped him so much that bones began to expose in his body. 39 times nine 351 stripes beaten on the body of Jesus. They put a wooden cross on his back and he carried it up where he was going to be crucified. They lay him on the cross and they nail his wrists and his feet one on top of the other. And Jesus hanged there for six hours. Hanged there, flesh hanging off the bones, bleeding to death. Jesus was filled with physical darkness, spiritual darkness, political darkness. He had five false trials. He was mocked. He was emotionally drained, physically drained. The Bible said that the sky got black. And of course, there were clouds in the sky, but I also wondered if all the demons of hell were crowding over Jesus to watch him die his last breath. Darkness all around him. But right before he died, probably the darkest moment of his life, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt like his own father forsook him. Why? Because he became the sin of the whole world. And his father, God the Father, couldn't look at Jesus because your sin and my sin. Were on him. 
And so this whole time, everything you can imagine has just been thrown at him. The devil is throwing at him emotional pain and darkness and physical darkness, political darkness, spiritual darkness, telling him that you're a failure, that you're no good, that you're, you're a loser. And Jesus went to the cross and he died. All his disciples are running, his mom crying. All the critics are mocking him. And they think they've won. They think they've won. Hope. Hope has died. Darkness has won. Or did it? Let's pick up the story here today, Matthew chapter 28. I want you to see what happens next to the darkness. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Verse number 2. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. That must have been a big angel. I mean, he just kind of came down and bid bump on the ground because a violent earthquake happened. And going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it, sat on it. The Bible says his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. Look at verse 4. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. I mean, these powerful soldiers, they couldn't handle it. And they pass out. Verse number five. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. I want to just stop here for just a minute. You know, if you were to go to Jerusalem, if you were to go to Jerusalem right now, you could pay a few dollars, two or three bucks, and you could actually go into the garden tomb, and you can walk in, and there's a little room about the size of a walk-in closet. And you walk in there, and you kind of poke your eyes in there, you kind of look, and you say, you ain't there. You ain't there. And so you walk out, and, and you look at the guy behind you, and you say, hey, man, he's not there. And the guy said, I don't believe you. I said, hey, all right, you got to pay. And so he pays him two or three bucks, and he walks in, and he comes out and says, you're right, man. He is not there. And people have been doing that for 2,000 years, every day walking into a tomb and not seeing a body because there ain't no grave that can hold him down. The tomb is empty. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. My friend, if, if Jesus said he was going to rise from the dead, and he rose from the dead, you know what that means? It, it means that everything else he said is true. Because rising from the dead, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. If Jesus said he was going to come back from the dead and then actually does it, then I'm going to listen to him for everything else he had to say. You think he can forgive you? 
Oh, yes, he can. Hey, do you think he could bless you? Oh, yes, he can. Do you think he could renew your mind? Yes, he can. Jesus rose just as he said. You know what else he said? He said, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened and heavy laden, and I, I will give you rest. He said, I love you. I, I'm going to lay my life down for you. There's no greater love I can have for you than laying my life down for you. I want to forgive you, and I want to give you eternal life. Yes, he can. The Bible says he has risen just as he said. Just as he said. Look at verse number seven. Then go quickly, the angel said. Go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Look at verse number eight. So the woman, they hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. So much emotion happening here. And they ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clapped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And while the woman went on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. I mean, the Roman soldiers, they were in front of the tomb and they fell over dead. And, and, and they saw the angel. They, they, they didn't know what happened. All they, all they know is that when they woke up, Jesus' body was gone. They were like, and the people were like, the, the leaders were like, man, we paid you. We paid you to watch over the tomb. Look at verse number 12. When the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you're to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, here you got these Roman soldiers who are compared to the Navy SEALs of today. And you got these 11 disciples taking on the most elite soldier of the world, and, and they come up with this story. Can you imagine that? No, I don't think so. But they come up with this plan. And so the Bible says in verse number 14, if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Verse number 15, so the soldiers, they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews, even to this very, very day. Now look at verse 15. Eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. My friend, some of you might be still doubting today. You still doubt. Some of you will worship him. You still worship him. Maybe you, yeah, you know Jesus is your Lord. You know he's in control. But you've had some moments of doubt this past week. Maybe you've had some doubt in your life the past few months. And my friend, the disciples were the same way. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And look at this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Wow. Man, what an awesome story here. Jesus was at the edge of darkness, but came back from the grave and became the light of the world. I want to give you two great truths as we talk about finding hope in the dark, hope in the darkness. Number one, if you're taking notes, darkness cannot hold them down. Darkness cannot hold them down. Jesus is the light of the world, and light always overcome darkness. Jesus cannot be held down. Jesus cannot be held back. Jesus cannot be stopped by nothing. Judas couldn't stop him. Peter couldn't stop him. The chief priests and the religious leaders couldn't stop him. The Roman soldiers couldn't stop him. Crucifixion couldn't stop him. The tomb couldn't, couldn't stop him. The stone couldn't stop him. The Roman soldiers that guarded the tomb couldn't stop him. The devil couldn't stop him. Nothing could stop him. Now, why is that important for you, and why is that important for me? Because if he tells you that he's going to be with you wherever you go, and if he tells you that he loves you, if he tells you, if he tells you that he's going to take care of you and that nothing can stop him, then, my friend, what do you and I have to fear? What do we have to fear? We shouldn't fear anything knowing that he is with us, even to the end of the age. He is always with us. The devil, he can come to your house. He can tell you that he's going to destroy you, and you can say, my friend, you can say to the devil, say, listen here, Satan, you didn't destroy Jesus. You can't destroy me. Darkness cannot hold you down. Why? Because the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus is greater than darkness. And this is so important and such a simple truth. And I believe that someone needs to hear this if you're taking notes. There's nothing the devil can do to stop God's plan in your life if you trust and obey him. The devil, he can come in your room, he can scream all kind of profanity at you, do all kind of stuff to you, and you can say, you know what? My God will never let you do anything to me that's not part of his plan. So go ahead and do what you want to do, but in the end, if I obey God, then what he wants to allow happen will happen. God is in control. If nothing can hold Jesus down, then nothing can hold me down as long as you obey God. Here's the second thought. Darkness can only be defeated in your life by faith, by faith. Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is confident in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The only way you can overcome the darkness is by faith. Look at verse number, uh, verse number 3. I'm sorry, verse number 6. And without faith, Faith, without faith, it is impossible 
to please God. You can't do it with your muscles. Uh, you, you can't do it with your money. You can't do it with your good looks. You have to do it by expressing faith in Jesus Christ and him alone and that he can really forgive you of your sin and restore you to a right relationship with him. Some of you, you're in spiritual darkness right now. Spiritual darkness. The Bible says to walk by faith, not by sight. To trust him. To trust him. Darkness can only be defeated in your life, but by faith. In Psalm 91, I want to close with a couple of verses here. Psalm 91, verse 1. Look at this. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Hold it right here. Pestilence. That's an interesting word. I want to go back to that word in just a few minutes. We'll see it again in another verse. Look at verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, the darkness that we're in. You will not fear it, nor the arrow that flies by day. Nor the pestilence, hit that word again. Nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. Nor the plague that destroys at midday. The word pestilence, if you're taking notes, it means pandemic. Pandemic. A disease that leads to death. What a timely passage of scripture that we're in. My, my friend, I know we're facing some of the darkest days in our lives, as community and all around the world. So much unknown, there's so much uncertainties. But here's what I know. There's hope in the middle of the dark. In the middle of darkness, there's hope. The closer you get to God, the more you sense his protection. The more you draw closer to him and by faith reach out to him, the more you can sense his hands. In verse 1 and 2, if we can go back to verse 1 and 2 again, the Bible says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow. He will cover us of the Almighty. He is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He will cover you. He's your shield. He is the hope in the darkness. And on this Easter Sunday, the empty tomb reminds us that Jesus is alive and that he is greater than anything we go through. The empty tomb is a constant reminder that God is in control that he is greater than anything we face in our lives. Darkness cannot hold him down. Darkness is defeated. Jesus is the light of the world.
and darkness in your life and my life can only be defeated when we put our faith and trust in the one who wins. When we put our trust and faith in the one who overcomes the darkness. And today I invite you to put your trust in him. Put your faith in him. Put your hope in Jesus in the middle of the darkness. I'm going to pray in just a minute. And I'm going to invite some of you during that prayer. If you're here and watching, and you're like, man, Scott, I've not put my faith and trust in Jesus. But today, I want to put my trust in him. And that no matter what happens, I can have a peace that I can't understand, I can't explain, but a peace that's beyond all understanding, a peace that only God can give. And I want that peace, even in the middle of the storm, even in the middle of the night in darkness, I find light. And the closer I am to that light, the more I know that he holds me and protects me. It doesn't mean that everything can be perfect and that I'm safe from all harm. No, I'm safe from what the devil wants to do in my life. But knowing that I'm safe, safe in the arms of Jesus. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of the resurrection. We thank you on that Easter Sunday morning that we're reminded that you are alive and that you're greater than anything that we're going through. Because darkness cannot hold you down. It tried 2,000 years ago. It tried all the forces of evil, all the forces of hell tried to hold you back. And it could not. And so God, I'm praying today that some of us who don't know you will put our faith and trust in you. And if you're watching and you say, man, I don't know Jesus, but today I want to ask him into my life. The Bible says all we have to do is cry out to him and he'll come into your life. To ask him to forgive you of your sins. And here's the prayer you can pray. You pray right where you're at, in your living room, in your bedroom, Wherever you're watching, you can pray this in the, the privacy of your heart. God hears. He knows. And say, dear God, I'm a sinner. And I need you into my life. To come into my life. I'm trusting in you. From, from now to the rest of my life and to eternity. I'm trusting my life into your hands. Come into my life and be my Lord, be my Savior. I want to know you and have a relationship with you. Forgive me of all my sins and be my Savior. In your name I pray, amen. I'm so excited that some of you pray that prayer. In just a minute, someone can talk to you about your next step. Let me close in prayer for all of us. God, we thank you for Resurrection Sunday. No matter what we're going through, 
I pray that we put our hope and faith in you. And sometimes we, we feel like we're doubting. God, help us to see the risen Savior. Help us to see the light and draw close to you. In your name I pray. Amen.